wonderful. Well, it is very wonderful to be here this morning with everyone. Um, Josh, I'm a little wrecked after that worship. <laughs> um, you chose all the most beautiful Christmas carols <laughs> that just speak of the goodness and the beauty and the loveliness of, of what Jesus has done. And so I was just standing at the back there just weeping. <laughs> and, um, but in the very, very best of ways. That was just so beautiful. Um, for those of you that are... Um, not here with us and the beautiful production team and uh, the worship team who have just served so faithfully this year. It is just beautiful to be with you online. And um, God's presence is just so evident um, with us here. And I trust that it is the exact same for you wherever you are watching this. Our title today, what we are looking at, is the profound and simple truth that God is with us. And, you know, we hear that statement so often that we can easily forget the, um, the power and the wonder of that truth, that God himself is with us. And uh, in Matthew 1, verse 23, um, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And this is Matthew quoting Isaiah. It's a prophecy given hundreds of years before Jesus arrived. And... Um, it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And for me, Christmas is a story about home, and uh, the story starts with someone leaving home. Jesus left his home in heaven to come to earth and to make a way for us to be at home with the Father, to be at home in his presence, and um, to be at home in the life that is truly life at home in his love forever. In John 3.16, we are told that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, he gave him, he sent him, so that whoever believes in him will not die, which means will not forever remain separated from God, but instead will have everlasting or eternal life. And in John 17, Jesus actually tells us what that eternal life actually is. Jesus says this in John 17. He says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We know that we were created to, to know God, to live with him forever, and we know that things went horribly wrong. And the reason I think I so love Christmas is the celebration of it reminds us that it is the beginning of God's action plan. It's the beginning of his rescue plan to bring his children home. God's intention has always been to make his home with us. Let's just look at two scriptures uh, that just really speak to us about this. The fact that God has always wanted to be with us and us with him. So in John 14, verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My father will love them. And then listen to this. And we will come to them and make our home with them. And then in Revelation 21, verse 3, 
it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So God's intention has always been to be with us. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but I just, I know for me, this year has been a very profound, but also a very unsettling, a very challenging, and a very confusing year. And um, certainly for myself, and I, I know uh, just from conversations with many of you, you have felt very much the same way. And, you know, things that I thought would be a certain way didn't turn out that way. Uh, things I was so sure of turned out to be the opposite. And um, I had to remind myself, and my very good friend Lynn <laughs> reminded me again the other day, that the end of a matter is better than the beginning. That is what God pronounces in Scripture, that the end of a matter is better than the beginning. And so coming to the end of this year, I am so grateful for the things that God has taught me, for the things that he has taken me through and the opportunities he has given me to learn things that I otherwise would never, I believe, have grasped. And so I just really felt this morning that what God wanted to bring to us as a community as we round out this year and as we celebrate Christmas and focus on God with us, Emmanuel, I felt that God wanted to give us a prophetic encouragement. And there are four things that over this year he has really highlighted to me and I felt that he wanted to share them with us as a, a community. And you know, the first thing that God really started to speak to me about through this pandemic was the fact that in difficult and confusing and challenging times, especially when things are changing all the time, we as people tend to want to grasp control. And we so easily move away from living in the presence of God, and instead we become self-reliant, and we, become, we operate out of self-sufficiency and self-effort. And it's sometimes, honestly, easier to do that because it's comforting in the immediate. We feel like we're in control. We feel like it's okay, I've got this. But we have no peace when we live like that. There is no peace outside of God's presence. And it's why at the very, very beginning of this pandemic, he called us. He got our attention by saying to us and reminding us that those that will wait on him that will find themselves in his presence, they will be the ones that will be sustained supernaturally and have the capacity to deal with any circumstance. There is no peace outside of God's presence. And today, he is calling us back to that place, to live from that place every single moment of every single day. Now, I don't know how many of you have seen The Greatest Showman, but it is one of my most favorite movies ever. If you haven't, please do yourselves a favor and, and watch it at least five times. <laughs> it's just outstanding. I mean, the music alone is phenomenal. The storyline is magnificent. The acting is amazing. But when I was, when I was putting um, this together, the Holy Spirit, I really believe, reminded me of this one scene in The Greatest Showman. And it's a scene where um, the, the main character, it's a true story, and, and P.T. Barnum has literally, he's lost everything. Um, he, nothing has turned out the way he thought it would. Nothing has satisfied. He has lost everything. And he sits in absolute despair. 
And then you see this realization come upon him that he needs to return to the one thing that actually matters. And he, he utters these amazing words and this incredible song comes out of it. But he says this phrase. He says, from now on. And he starts to speak about how everything that was, he is putting aside because he's going after this one thing that matters. And he says, from now on, and I will come back home. And he understands that he's got to go back to the place where it all began. He's got to go back to what is really important. He's got to go back to the only thing that truly matters. And so he says these words, from now on. And you actually see him in the movie. He, just, he grabs his coat and he just runs out of, the, uh, out of this bar that he's been sitting in. And, he, and, he just, and he's running. And it's the most prophetic picture for me of repentance. He has fixed his eyes on what he has been reminded of is most of most importance. And nothing is going to deter him. And you just see him running at full speed as he is making his way back home to the one thing that is of most importance. And um, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying that that's what he's calling us to as his children. He's saying, I want you to establish from this day forward, from now on, this is how I am going to live. From now on, I am turning. I'm repenting from self-sufficiency. I'm repenting from self-effort. I'm repenting from trying to be in control, Lord, and, and trying to figure out what is going on when nothing seems to be the way that it should be. And I'm going to repent of that. It means I'm just going to turn and I'm going to run back to the one who is of most importance. I'm coming back to you, Lord. You have never left me, but I am positioning my thoughts and my attitude and my emotions, and I am going to live in your presence from now on. And so um, it's just a time to reset. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying right throughout Scripture, we see opportunities for people to reset, to refocus again on what is of most importance, and that is always the Lord. He is with us. He is Emmanuel with us. And he wants us to live from that foundation. So the four things that he highlighted, um, the first one is that he, he just has taught me in this time that in his presence, we get perspective. And, uh, you know, so often we have no idea of what to do. Certainly, so many situations this year, I've had no idea what to do. And I've had no way of understanding why things are the way they are. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but... Um, I have found that the only way I've been able to gain perspective is in God's presence. He always has a solution, but I just need to let you know, it's likely not going to be the solution you thought. And, um, you know, you probably did not even consider what he brings about as an option. It probably was never on your radar. A lot of the things that have happened have certainly not been on mine. And if we turn to the first Christmas... I think we'll see that I don't think anyone on earth would have welcomed in a king the way that Jesus was welcomed in on that first Christmas. I don't think anyone would ever have thought that the Savior of the world would emerge in the way that he did. It's highly unlikely that Mary and Joseph pictured a shallow cave for their delivery room. It's highly unlikely that they ever considered that God would require that of them. But God knew exactly how it had to be. 
You see, those shallow caves, we talk about Jesus being born in a stable, but, but most um, historians suggest that um, it was probably a shallow cave because in the area of Bethlehem, the shepherds would use these very shallow caves in the hillsides um, to actually um, look after the newborn lambs. Bethlehem was the, the region where the sacrificial lambs were um, farmed. And so what the shepherds did, the shepherds in Bethlehem took particular care of the lambs because they knew that they were going to be used as the sacrificial lambs in the temple. And for, for a lamb to be um, able to be a sacrificial lamb, it had to be completely without blemish and uninjured in any way. And so what shepherds would apparently do is they would take these particular lambs and they would wrap them in cloths. We call them swaddling clothes. They would wrap these lambs and then they would tenderly lay them in these feeding troughs, in these mangers, to make sure that from their, their very beginning, from their birth, nothing would injure them. They wouldn't be harmed because they knew they had such a special role to play um, in the temple and in the, the role of sacrifice. And so we look at Jesus being born in this, in this shallow cave and go, Lord, that makes no sense. But every detail actually counted because when those shepherds came to Jesus and they saw a child wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger, they would have understood the significance of that. We often don't have the right perspective in a situation. God always does. And when we're in his presence, he gives us his perspective and he enables us to see things we would never otherwise have understood or seen. Every detail was planned by God, but it probably didn't look like a very good option to Mary and Joseph at the time. You know, King Herod's palace was just a few miles away from Bethlehem. You can actually apparently see the ruins of King Herod's palace still today if you are in Bethlehem. And, and history tells us that Herod's palace was covered in gleaming white marble and gold. It was shining. It was this edifice on a hill. That would have been the place we would have all chosen for the king to be born. But God chose a shallow cave. And, you know, God's solution is um, to send a message through the generations of what his kingdom actually looks like. Jesus came to show us the Father and the Father's kingdom. And what he did was he shifted B.C. to A.D., he literally pivoted history forever. And he caused light and hope and the possibility of eternal peace to come flooding back into a world because heaven chose to come and make its home with us. That is perspective. And that is the good news. But we sometimes can't see it. And if you have been in a situation this year where you have not understood why things are the way they are, I really encourage you right in this moment to say from now on, Lord, I surrender my perspective and I'm asking you to give me yours. The second thing that God um, showed me was that in his presence, we can have peace with his process, even when we don't understand his timing and we don't understand what is actually going on. In Galatians 4, it says, 
But in the fullness of time, or when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman and born under law. Now, God's timing and process, honestly, is just nothing like ours. When you look at where Jesus was born, he was born in the middle of an empire-wide census. He was born in a tiny country under the rulership of Roman emperors who regarded themselves as gods to be worshipped. And now we can look back and go, oh, it was the perfect time because there were Roman roads and there was a common language and the gospel could go out. We have that perspective now, 2,000 years later. But at the time, it made no sense. Why, Lord? Why would you send Jesus there and then? But God had a, a, a process and it made sense and it would make sense for generations to come. God's process honestly can seem crazy. I mean, I, I just have to think of Lazarus. And, um, and again, uh, just in conversation with a very dear friend, we were laughing at, um, at just how crazy sometimes God, God's process is. And if we think about Lazarus, Jesus is told that his dear friend is very sick. And he goes, yep, we're going to go. But he doesn't go for two days. And we don't, we're not told why. And then after two days, he goes, we're going. And, uh, and Lazarus is sleeping. But actually, he's died. And he's been dead for a while. And Lazarus' sisters come, come out and they say, Lord, if you had just been here, our brother would still be alive. And I just, I know for many of us, when I was preparing this, I, the Holy Spirit was just saying, many of us in this time have been saying, God, where are you? What is going on? If you had only moved in this situation, this thing would not have occurred. If you had only shown your power like I so hoped you would, this thing would not have happened. And God is saying, you need to come into my presence because there is a process that you know nothing about. If things do not look the way that you thought they would, it's time to start questioning, perhaps something else is happening. Perhaps I am doing something else that you will only understand after a time. You know, uh, when we look at the disciples in the boat, there's this huge storm and they are terrified and they're, they're afraid they're gonna die. And Jesus stands up, and what is his process? He talks to a storm. <laughs> you know? he, um, he raises Lazarus from the dead. He has 5,000 people around him, and they're all hungry, and there is nowhere to get food. And he says to the disciples, you feed them with these five loaves <laughs> and these two fish. His process can seem crazy. And I, when I read these stories, I always think, that the disciples were probably saying things like, well, did not see that one coming. <laughs> did not even know that was a thing. <laughs> Life from death. Food for 5,000, right? It's just, we need to put ourselves back into that situation because we're the exact same. You know, God does something and we literally, we go, never saw that thing coming. But that's his process. And it's in that process that we can trust, even when we don't understand what is going on. Um, during this pandemic, Lynn had the most uh, wonderful prophetic word. 
Actually, she should just be up here preaching this because <laughs> so she, she has, she's been such a, a, a source of, of, of comfort and life to me and um, just in our conversations through, through this time. And so often, God, God works um, in his children by, by giving us relationships, by giving us friendships. He, he shows you one part and he shows your friend another part and when you have a conversation the whole thing makes sense suddenly it fits together like a puzzle and um during this pandemic um uh i think it was one of our staff meetings that we were having and um lynn just had this picture of the of the red sea crossing the israelites crossing the the red sea and god said to her do you know that the parting of the red sea was always my solution the problem was that Moses and the, the Israelites just had no sense of that. that. That just wasn't an option for them, but it was always God's plan. It was always his solution. And um, where they saw a barrier and certain death, God saw a path and a gateway to a miraculous destiny. And so the question that I felt God was saying to us is, I wonder what path is right before you right now that you can't quite yet see? I wonder what miraculous solution and destiny awaits, awaits us. And, um, you know, if, if Moses had just taken control at that moment and come up with his own plan, everyone would have been slaughtered. Self-effort and self-sufficiency will literally be the death of us. And God is saying, I did not come so my children would die. I came to give you life. And uh, he's just saying, I want you to surrender your conclusions about a matter to me. I want you to know that I have a process and I have a plan. And you're going to find peace with that process and plan, even when you don't understand it. You'll find peace in my presence and nowhere else. And then he, um, he just spoke about the fact, thirdly, that in his presence, we can experience his provision and his protection. And uh, Psalm 23 is a psalm that God has spoken to, to James in particular about throughout this pandemic and just, and just constantly brought James back to it. And I know he shared um, on Psalm 23 on numerous occasions during this time. And in, in verse 5, David writes this. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now that to me is bizarre. Because if I'm in the presence of an enemy, I'm generally doing one of two things. I'm fighting or I'm certainly defending. But I am not relaxing and I'm certainly not sitting down and eating. But God says, I prepare a table for you in the presence of my enemies. And he says, surely, and then David says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house. I will live with the God who is with me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we don't understand what is happening and there is nothing that we can do about a situation, the Father invites us to come and sit and eat. And I actually just wanted to read this to us because these were literally the words that, that I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I wrote them down as he, he told them to me, and I can't say it better than he can. So I want to read to you what he wants us to hear about this. 
He says, this is him speaking to us. He says, I've prepared a place of nourishment and relaxation, a place where we can talk and commune. And don't worry about that lion you can see or that sickness or that job loss. Come, let's talk and I'll remind you of my thoughts towards you. And you'll be so focused on me that you'll have eyes to see and ears to hear my solutions. And you'll see the opportunities you never considered. And we'll talk and you'll leave that table full of me and filled with hope and joy for the next day and the next step. But make sure to come back every day. Come to the table. Because in this journey, it's a journey based in relationship and love, not duty and task. And you'll need healing from time to time and direction. And you'll need your hope to be topped up. And you'll need to hear what I say so that what others have to say, what others have to say won't stick to you or affect you. And you can instead be my effective agents of love and hope and light and power so that those walking in darkness can see my light and they'll want to know me too. And that's why I came for you. I left my home so you could finally come home to me. I am your home. So friends, at his table, we let go of regret. We let go of the effects of the past. We repent of self-effort and we surrender everything over to him. And then we can just eat in peace and in complete safety, regardless of what surrounds us and regardless of what we do or don't understand. And we'll be comforted by his love and we'll be nourished by his hope and we'll be strengthened by his joy. And that's what God has for us and for every precious person in this world. And the very last thing God said is that in his presence, we receive his promises and his prophetic words. But it's been an interesting thing in this season because if you know me, you know that the prophetic is of incredible importance to me. It is precious to me. But what God has taught me over this time is that um, the prophetic when he gives us a prophetic word, it's an invitation to start a conversation with him. It's about a journey he's inviting us to go on. It's not a task list. And God has shown me that we have, in times gone past, received words from the Lord instead of receiving the Lord of the word. We have received words from the Lord instead of receiving the Lord of the word. And um, we've almost idolized the prophetic word. We've held on to, God gave me this word. And he said, I never wanted you to hold on to that. I wanted you to hold on to me. This is an invitation to come. Let's talk. Let's begin a conversation. And I actually felt God say this, that if any of you, either in this room or any of you listening at home, if you have received a prophetic word and it has become burdensome to you, because you have received it and felt like it's a duty or a task and you don't feel equipped for it, God wants to lift that burden off you today because he wants to, he wants to speak to you about the prophetic words. If God said to you, you're going to be a songwriter and it, all that's done is filled you with panic because you, you go, but Lord, I, I can't write songs. I don't know how. Every time I try, it doesn't work. 
or if he's called you to be an engineer, but you're terrible at something. God's saying, see, I've gone before you. I've already been to your future. I know how I've created you, and I know the plans and purposes I have for you. And if you'll come to me and we'll start the conversation, I'll show you the how, and I'll bring those things about as you walk in step with me. But if you run off and think this is a task, and you now in self-effort are going to bring it about, you'll just end up frustrated and with little fruit to show at the end of it. It's not what God has called us to. He's called us to walk in relationship with him and to take hold of his promises as invitations and to go, okay, Lord, what more do you have to say about this? And that's how he leads us step by step. And so in conclusion, friends, God is calling us to position ourselves. He's saying to us from now on, remember, I have always been and will always be God with you, Emmanuel. And so he's calling us to position ourselves in his presence, at peace, with his perspective, following his processes, even when we don't understand them, with his provision and walking with his promises in mind. And then we'll live in what Paul prays in Romans 15, where he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this year, this Christmas, we are being called back to Emmanuel, back to surrender, back to relationship, back to giving him our worship, him our focus, giving him our attention, our plans, our regrets, uh, giving him our hopes, our ambitions, our reputations, our lives. And we are being called to come back and to live from the presence of our Savior. So I would just love to pray for us and to just allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to us about these things that he's been holding in front of us this morning. So Lord, we as your precious children, thank you for leaving your home and coming to make uh, your home here with us. And Lord, we just repent. We repent of self-effort. We repent of questioning you and, and being frustrated and disappointed with the process and, and trying to take control for ourselves, Lord. And instead, we just run back to you and we say, from now on, Lord, we will be found in your presence. Jesus, you have always been the longing of the nations. You are full of grace and truth. In you, Lord, is all that we could and will ever need. And you have freely given all, Lord. And Lord, wise men still draw near to worship you. And we want to be counted amongst the wise that fix our eyes and our thoughts on you, Lord, and you alone. Lord, I ask for every person who has been weary through this time and has battled, who has known heartache. Lord, we just pray for a release of healing now and hope, Lord, to fill every home. And we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Friends, I just wish you the merriest of Christmases and uh, God Bless you over this time.
Awesome. Well, thank you, Lee. That was absolutely wonderful. And thank you, everyone that's joining us, whether you're joining us live or whether you are watching this after the fact. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful time over these next few days, over this next week. We pray for a time of peace in your home and in your life. And uh, as Lee mentioned, Psalm 23 has become something extremely important to me in this last season. I'll probably talk a little bit more at the beginning of the year on it. But it's, it's a wonderful psalm to just reflect on over this period. And remembering that God is your shepherd and that you shall not want and that he will be with you and guiding you in every, on every path and in every way. And so as this season, we remember that God is with us, that he's come near, Emmanuel, Jesus is Emmanuel, God is near us, that may, that you, may you know his closeness in this season and grow in your belief and trust in his closeness with you in this season and these coming days and weeks. Okay, have a wonderful week. Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll be chatting again soon.